almost 10 years ago, I found myself working in a, a startup, a tech startup in Belfast, uh, data storage business, trying to break into the entertainment sector, selling from Belfast into London, a quirky presentation of data storage, essentially. It's a really unglamorous industry. Um, it's a tax on creatives. They need to store their um, rushes or their finished edits or they need to use lots of data, story or data storage and post-production and so on and so forth. And at this time, Apple had moved out of the industry and left a gap for a professional offering, a cost-effective alternative to some of the really, really clunky and very expensive um, safe bets in the industry. Our route to market was very straightforward. We created a boiler room in Belfast. We recruited three people and we trained them hard to work hard to make phone calls, to tee up meetings for a field sales guy that we had in London. And um, so we picked up three three people. We, we didn't pick them up. They were, they were recruited. I came as a trainer to train them on a two-week program. I then was retained uh, to come in and check, check them out and see how things were going. And I, then I became sort of a sales lead and what we were doing was making a number of phone calls every day. It was a SDR role. We were making a lot of phone calls to speak to people. And within 24 hours, I think we had sold our very first uh, piece of kit. And we sold this piece of kit to um, Vo Wojciech Productions, from what I can remember, but we sold a box of 10 grand over the phone from Belfast into a really, really competitive and very, very promiscuous and disloyal industry, um, which was brilliant. And so we built up um, quite a pipeline. And this is really what I want to talk about today is about the idea of building up a pipeline and how those um, prospects are qualified through the pipeline and the best way to test how well qualified your pipeline is is when it's used to try and secure additional funding so at one stage we had um, one of the lessons from that startup would have been you can never really get enough money to start with and the ask from different investors wasn't as high as it needed to be <clears throat> as we found out later on in the process but we started off with money with three people some of the people worked out well some of them didn't um, we had those usual oscillations and highs and lows of a startup um, and when we went to in search of second round funding or whatever the guys that we were speaking to said let's take a look at your pipeline and the pipeline was full of stuff we reckon there's about 1.5 to maybe 2 million pounds worth of stuff in the pipeline stuff really, really uh, big names in the film industry. The product ended up being used by a local uh, post-production company called Yellow Moon, and they used that for Game of Thrones, notably Game of Thrones, but also Line of Duty, The Fall. And so we were working um, at the bleeding edge of the industry. 
and we had loads of names in this pipeline and our, our definition of the pipeline was like do the maths, look down, they're well qualified uh, the field sales person that we were using in London was coming back with varying degrees of honesty in terms of where they sat in the uh, diagnostics and the um, questioning phase and the presentation phase and all that sort of stuff so we had kind of a very distorted pipeline we went to the funders and the funders said let's let's talk about this pipeline in more detail and what we found was that every single piece of business we had as a prospect had one thing in common and that was that they all needed data storage and so everything we had was we'd done the the need analysis and you know asking the right questions and you know having the curiosity and the uh, you know situation questions and the uh, uh, directional questions and the high impact questions etc 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 got everybody in principle to say yeah we need it get back to us and there was a load of learnings from this for me and I'm going to go through a couple of those learnings now. The first learning that I've been challenged on a few times, and I'm going to stand over it because I have really first, real first-hand experience on it, and that is if you are quoting for something that's quite a high value, the last thing you want to do is send the quote on a PDF hoping that the person um, that needs to see it, either the recipient or a decision maker or someone else, is going to see the quote and come back to you because I would say 80% of those people on us certainly ghosted. And what I would recommend is that you find an opportunity or a way to talk the quote through with the client. Perfect uh, conditions for that now being with Zoom or with Teams um, or WebEx or whatever. But you're able to, before you send the quote through, just say, can you take five minutes on a Zoom call so I can go through some of the stuff in this quote, which may need a little bit of explanation. Typically it doesn't. But you're able to ascertain in real time, you know, how serious this guy is. Because if they turn up for the Zoom call, then they're serious. If they don't turn up for the Zoom call, don't send the quote. And if you don't get the quote to them, then they're not serious. And so that comes out of your pipeline. So um, having stuff in, uh, or your funnel, you know, let's, I'm not going to split the hairs between funnel and pipeline here. Um, it's really a pipeline, but the stuff goes through the funnel and is pre-qualified based on can they afford it? Yes. Do they need it? Yes. Is the timing right? Yes. And are you speaking to the right person? So the first lesson for me out of that is if it's over about three or four grand, um, say five grand, make, make a threshold for yourself and anything above that, don't send the quote out. Make sure that you're able to arrange time to talk about that face-to-face or on Zoom, or try and get a, have a conversation with them where you're able to quarantine what the real problem is with the quote. Are you quoting like for like? Has it got all the information? Is it low spec? Is it a high spec? Is it too much spec? Um, what is the problem with the price? Get talking about the granular details so you're able to quarantine the real problem and then able to focus on doing something about that. Um, otherwise, every client or 80% of all your clients are going to ghost, and that means your pipeline is not worth the paper that it's not written on. The second thing I wanted to talk about is, is kind of um, the, yeah, you know, everybody needs data storage, that idea. Okay, so we had this, we had these meetings, and we were working very hard, and we were getting people to talk to us, and, you know, going through the process of the sales acronym, or the, um, it's the sales acronym, yeah, we used BANT, 
budget, authority, need and timing. B for budget, do they have the money? A for authority, are you speaking to the right person or can you get through to a decision maker? N is the for need and T is, have you got the timeline right? I changed BANT to BANTIC IC where the I was for intent and the C was for capability. Have you, able, have you been able to ascertain their intent and do they really have the capability of buying what are the competing projects that they're working on, so on and so forth. I did a bit of digging into this because everybody needs data storage. If you started off on your sales um, targeting and you've got speaking to the right prospect within the right company, think of the square mile and so gold mile and Soho, okay, door after door after door of editing, post-production, filmmakers, uh, digital um, animation companies, you name it. Do they need data storage? You bet. Do they want to pay for it? No. Because data storage is like a tax on their business because I think either le legally they have an obligation to hold on to data storage for a particular period of time, which makes sense. Um, and they all need it, but they can't recharge their clients for it because their clients aren't going to look at an invoice, you know, time spent in the editing suite, cost of putting together X, Y, and Z hours or minutes of film footage, and then underneath, cost of data storage. It's just not going to wash. It's a tax on the post-production company or the film company. And so whenever we were speaking to decision makers or those people we thought were decision makers, what they were saying to us was, you know, do we have the budget? Oh, look, I'm, you know, money's really tight at the minute. And okay, you reverse that, you ask the next question. You know, so so if it came to saying yes to this, would you, would, is it you or do you need to take this to the board or how would you fund it? Like, would you finance it or can you pay for it straight off? And Oh yeah, if it's worth paying for, well, yeah, we'll find the money, that's okay. And all right, so they can, tell me about it. like, do you need it, you know? Not asking questions like that, but that's the sentiment behind it. And of course they're going to say yes. So we had a pipeline of 1.5 to 2 million stuff based on need. Do they need the storage? And they all said yes. And the guys that were going to give us the second round of funding said, no, um, that's a very flaky pipeline. And we were really like, how dare you? Say this flaky pipeline. Look at the names and this, you know, you know. Look at the names here. Look at look at the percentage likelihood. Everything was above seventy percent. Of course it was, because whenever somebody says you need it, you kind of think, well, if they say they need it, I guess they must need it. And this brings me on to the whole reason for this podcast are these acronyms, these sales acronyms. So we do hear this, okay? So there's a whole bunch of them, um, and in no particular order. I'm going to start with band, budget, authority, need, timing. Do you have the budget? Are you the decision maker? Do you need it? And what about the timeline? The next one is ANUM, A-N-U-M. A for authority, N for need, U for urgency, and M for money. Sound familiar? Pretty similar to BANT. Then you're into, um, where's the other one? FAINT. F for funds. A for authority, I for interest, N for need, and T for timing. Does that sound like a five-letter version of the four-letter acronym before? Yeah, it sure does. And then we're into um, NEAT. Need economic impact. N for need, E for economic impact, A for access to authority, and T for timeline. Does that sound like band? Yep. 
And so you can go through these, uh, not for days and days, but you can come up with five or six, all right? And a lot of them uh, have, have need or the establishment of need as um, it's kind of central to their being, right? And I would just want to put a hold in that thinking because it didn't take me 10 years to work that out. But if your prospecting is right and you're selling stuff consultancy widgets if you're selling anything that would be useful to the engineering sector you can go and get a list of 50 or 60 businesses in engineering and through the process of elimination and a little bit of deep diving you can ascertain fairly quickly if it will be right to try and sell these things to these guys and so need is almost like um it gets you into the disco, but it doesn't guarantee you a drink at the bar. So let's say they all have needs, but how, how does that help in any way, shape or form? Because somewhere in the process, you have to be finding out what those needs really are. But I think that information comes from asking other questions and trying to cover off other areas of the sale. So you're, you're really looking at trying to help the prospect work together to find out, are we looking at the same problem here? Do, do you have a problem currently? That needs fixed are we looking at the same problem have we agreed that that's a problem and then you work from that sort of plot a, a line in the sand and that is where you're at now and then plot a line further out and that is where you could be and what is the difference in the damage to your business if you don't make space between the two and so you ask all these questions you know do you have the money are there competing projects um, how can I make this a priority? How can we work together to make this a priority? And what are the challenges that you think you will face? A, if you don't in, in, install or buy what I'm selling, or what are the challenges if you do buy it and try to implement it? And so there are lots of things that you can talk about that, that removes need from the equation. And maybe it's just the way I'm thinking about it and that it's like um, an epiphany for me way back. But... It kind of cost the business. There was no second round of funding of any significance or note that helped that business stay afloat. It moved from funder to funder. Uh, you know, at that stage, the kind of funders you get are the ones that are interested in themselves, how they can make themselves look famous, not the ones who are going to roll up their sleeves get into their own black books and start helping shifting units in whatever way possible. It's the early stage funders in my, in my book, the ones that are heavily invested at the start are the ones that will give you as much help as you can. Anyway, the product died and probably six or seven years before it's time because right now that data storage solution will be perfect for those organizations who need to protect their most valuable assets from cybersecurity. Um, which is kind of an interest, an interesting intersection of the work that I'm doing now against the work I was doing almost 10 years ago. So, you know, go on and just go and Google sales acronyms. Um, uh, or is it a lead qualification? I think they're really, yeah, they're lead qualification um, methodologies, methodologies how, how you can um, qualify prospects all the way through from prospect to sale to customer to advocate and all that sort of stuff. And there's a load of those models sitting about. Google it, take a look. Um, I think you find find it quite interesting if you're in any way involved in sales.
Um, been listening to loads of other podcasts over this last while. There's one um, where a guy talks about his life as being caught up in the um, drug uh, industry, the narcotics industry in America. Um, and he has done time, but he, you know, he's not saying that he was um, a good guy caught innocently. He was talking about he was a good guy and he got into it and thought, hang on, I can make a load of money. And he talks about how, you know, how he brings the product to market. The podcast is called The Connect uh, with Johnny Mitchell. This is like your regular um, all-American high school guy. He's about six foot six basketball player and he tells the story of uh, how he got caught up in making money when it was easy to make money through drugs and how he dealt with the cartel and uh, you know I can't think of all the names from watching Narcos, the Sinaloa and he was involved in the Mexicans, the Colombians and um, it's a bit like if you watch American Gangster and the character played by Denzel Washington, Frank Burke who had drugs, uh, heroin out called Blue Magic and there was one particular episode, part of the movie where he talks about um, the importance of branding, okay? You know, everybody's happy, Charlie Bass, the Italians, you know, I know everybody's happy except you. I'm happy, Frank. You happy? Really? Well, maybe I'm the one with a problem. Yeah, go on, get to I got a problem because I don't understand why you got to take something that's perfectly good and mess it up. See, brand names. Brand names mean something. Shut the fuck up! Go ahead, Frank. I'm sorry about that bullshit. Blue Magic. That's a brand name. Like Pepsi. That's a brand name. I stand behind it. I guarantee it. They know that even if they don't know me anymore than they know the, the, the chairman of General Mills. What the fuck are you talking about? What I'm right? talking about is when you chop my dope down, one, two, three, four, five percent, and then you call it Blue Magic, that is trademark infringement. You understand what I'm saying? Respect, Frank. If I buy something, I own it. No, that ain't true. That ain't true. Car, and I want to paint it. I can paint. Yeah, but you don't have to. This is what I'm saying to you. Think you don't have to. It's good enough the way it is. You can make enough money off it the way it is just by calling it Blue Magic. Anything. Okay, so I let that run out. Great movie. If you haven't seen it, uh, go and see it. If you have seen it, see it again. Um, The point, I guess, is here that everything in a commercial and capitalist world has a price that needs to be justified and qualified and um, we do that through branding and perception and presentation and so on and so forth and and the podcast hasn't taken a flip to the dark side here it's just um, I I think it's it's um, it's kind of relevant based on mixing up your listening on podcasts and the podcast that I, I mentioned um, is is definitely um, worth you taking a listen to, uh, The Connect with Johnny Mitchell. Other podcasts that I would suggest is Bill Maher is quite good and he is, um, oh my God, here we go again. He's smoking dope the whole way through it actually. So maybe um, there's a couple of Freudian things slipping out here. Uh, but he interviews guests. He, he did a podcast with Woody Harrelson and um, yeah, it's just, it's you know, it makes you feel good to be alive, you know, just the engagement that they have and the laughter induced by good friendship and by talking about stuff 
that ultimately isn't too serious. Content like that, of which there is plenty on the news channels, uh, I haven't listened to broadcast news, I haven't read a newspaper from the front cover, I've listened, picked them up for some sports uh, stuff. And um, I was on Twitter the other day, which was to manage a website and some content that has been put out by um, myself and my partner. And um, I find myself getting stuck into a whole load of inter-tribally bullshit that exists here uh, in the north. Um, the protagonists, um, antagonists and protagonists, are they all just protagonists? I don't know. Um, but I'm, I'm minded of a joke that uh, got um, Jerry Sadowitz into trouble in Canada. Jerry Sadowitz is a Scottish magician who is a comedian and probably um, better known this year for being kicked out of the Fringe Festival for being just a little bit too over the edge. Uh, Fringe Festival in Edinburgh. He's like the grandfather of Frankie Boyle's type of humour and... Um, He's highly intelligent, very funny. And he did a show in Glasgow, and sorry, this show in Canada. And um, the very first joke he told resulted in him getting punched and taken to hospital. And his uh, joke was, um, I hate Canadians. Um, half of you speak French and the other half led them. And at that point, somebody got up on stage and he got a slap in the mouth. Which in itself reminds me further of the Edmund Burke, alleged Edmund Burke quote, which is the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. Um, I think you dig deeper into that. It wasn't really Edmund Burke, um, but some other, um, maybe some Scottish guy. But the whole idea is that evil prevails when good people do nothing and you get stuck onto Twitter for 15, 20 minutes and I'm not going to mention the name of the people but there's people on both sides of the fence who are talking who clearly do not represent anywhere close to the majority of the people who have the vested interest in peace but they have a voice that is amplified by other people that makes them look as if they're in some way authoritative or have... Um, an intellectual step ahead of those other people on Twitter and it really just isn't the case and it's soul destroying on the upside um, the pivot with Scott Galloway is a continually brilliant podcast if you're into the tech world and finding out um, what dipshit Elon Musk is up to this week what Apple are earning or not earning etc etc um the secret CEO, is it Bartlett? The guy Bartlett has got some amazing uh, content there and some brilliant guests. Um, Scott Galloway was on recently and that episode was really fantastic. Um, Scott Galloway is just... Um, you would hope big things would come his way um, in terms of the influence that he can um, bring to bear, maybe politically in the States, because he's definitely a very keen thinker and... For somebody of his age, he's um, you know he he's multi generational, which is what that country might need in terms of their decision making moving forward. And trying to think of some other good podcasts that I would recommend. 
Um, breakthrough marketing secrets is good, um, where you can get some tips on copywriting, anything from copywriting all the way through to just keeping you up to date with what's going on in marketing. Um, Lex Friedman is deadly. He's a hyper. Uh, yeah, he's he's a very clever fella, and um, the Huberman Lab, um, a, a brilliant podcast that takes you into the arena of health, well-being, emotional, physical, covers some really brilliant stuff on emotional well-being and the psychological side of your your living, and that can be pretty good if you need that just to tap into it to get uh, maybe holding up the mirror. And there's a lot of business stuff as well. I find myself drifting into a lot of history, um, the antiquities, uh, ancient history, Celtic history. Dan Carlin, I've mentioned before, I'll mention him again. Uh, Finn Dwyer and the Irish History Podcast is really, really good. Dan Snow can be good as well. Uh, Dr. Chatterjee, um, he can be good too. Uh, and um, the Innovation Show never fails to inspire with um, Aiden and so yeah that's to finish off this podcast it's quite a, a lengthy one but stuff I wanted to get off my chest about needs and how maybe distract how much of a distraction focusing on, on what your customer needs or what you think your customer needs can be to your business and how you need to be wired into all of the other things um, as the sale progresses next podcast I'm going to be ranting about uh, an engagement I had with um, Bank Bank of Ireland and their credit company um, MasterCard I think it was MasterCard and the financial ombudsman and yeah thanks for tuning in feel free to share feel free to like and share feel free to dislike and tell me um yeah peace thank you